<laughs> but it sounds like it's pretty serious. Did your mind go to to the sexual? gutter? Oh, oh, me too. Yes. Why did I think I'm saying, that? like, don't pull out. Just <laughs> give it to her. <laughs> I think this is... <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah, I went right to the gutter on that one. It'll huh. take me a moment to come back from that. Dear Sigmund. Hi, you're listening to Dear Sigmund. This is a podcast that Shannon and I started, and our website is dearsigmund.com. Uh, we answer your questions, and, well, answer might be we, we just long-windedly circle the drain about questions that you send in <laughs> we ramble uh, on and on on any given topic that you give us <laughs> but uh we do hope you keep listening uh there has been an increased listenership which i'm very excited about yeah we and have two now yeah <laughs> doubled we doubled, doubled. we doubled <laughs> look out new and noteworthy on apple we're coming for you <laughs> Um, but uh, we would welcome your questions to continue. Uh, we have gotten a, an influx of a lot of questions, and so we record these and then break down the questions into multiple episodes, um, just given our busy schedules. But we will release an episode every week, and we really look forward to doing this. But again, it is solely for educational and entertainment purposes only. Although, don't bring your lawsuits. I know. Just, yeah, just don't, leave don't me alone. Me <laughs> <laughs> Barely struggling to pay for the for the recording studio sessions. We, uh, yeah, w- welcome it. But uh, I am a medical doctor, uh, and uh, I am a psychiatrist, board certified. Shannon, um, I am a. Would I be board certified clinical social worker? I have a board, and I am certified. But I, I never say, say board certified. That compound word is powerful, though. Yeah. Well, I'm a licensed clinical social worker, and I own a Pristity Behavioral Health, which, by the way, if you're an expat and a therapist and you're listening, we're hiring. Yes. Please, I saw your ad the please, other day. Please, please. I know, but it's like crickets. Oh. Yeah. A couple months ago, we were inundated, and now it's crickets. There's a lot of need out there. I will say that even the people waiting to get psychiatric appointments, therapy appointments, uh, I just had a patient on my... Uh, you know, the other day was told uh, six to eight months to wait to see, yeah, to see a provider for the first time. Our listener can't see it, but my eyes just bugged out of my head and my jaw <laughs> hit the ground. And that wasn't my facility, but yeah, they, they thankfully finally got in to see us. But uh, that's what they were told from another, yeah, several yeah. other providers around yeah. around the community. Yeah. So uh, I think that's kind of our goal here is just to answer your questions in a timely manner so you don't have to wait six to eight months. <laughs> exactly. And to sort of normalize mental health as part of an everyday conversation where we don't have to use fancy words. We can just explain it how it is. Shall we start? So, Jesse, can you play our first question to this sweet, sweet person that actually gave us an audio recording? Hey, guys. Here's my question. I like to brew beer. and I like to drink, and I don't want to stop. It's sort of a hobby. The brewing part, I mean. It's also a reminder of a home I left behind, and drinking the beer is a pleasant experience. Also a big plus. I'm very aware that there's a line out there that if I cross it, I am going to have to stop. Like, if I end up with cirrhosis or spending the rest of my life recovering from alcoholism, there will be disappointment. I recognize lately that my drinking has occasionally taken on a new dimension of coping strategy. Because 
reasons. Um, during COVID, I've probably increased from one to two drinks a day to one to five drinks, maybe six days a week. Throw in the occasional quarterly binge, I guess. And I figure maybe that's fine. Anyway, here's my question. Um, how do I know when it's getting to be too much? Like, I enjoy this is turning into I need this. Um, and where should the limits be if I want to avoid addiction? Um, but I also want to continue to dabble in this not totally safe pastime. Thanks. Oh, that that is a heavy question. Thank you so much uh, for the background and then the very poignant question that I think a lot of people have right now. Uh, I could just hear the emotion uh, in the voice too and, and how heavily this is weighing on you. I think that the most accurate answer that I can give to when is it too much uh, is not a very accurate answer at all, but rather there is a very gray line there, which I think is one of the reasons that people find themselves on the other side of that line so often. Um, you know, I heard a couple coping skills in there that, that the brewing itself is a coping skill, that the drinking is some kind of alleviating some anxiety. So my suspicion is that there, there is something more poignant behind this behavior than just the reward of the alcohol itself or, you know, the enjoyment of the actual brewing procedure, uh, but it's probably multifactorial. Um, I think that the second part of the answer would be um, it's too much when it starts to impair your life. So the DSM-5, which is our kind of Bible and, and how we can diagnose very poignantly, um, you know, bullet uh, bullet points of what actually meets the criteria of an alcohol use disorder, which is what you're asking about. When does this become an alcohol use disorder? And then there's actually subsections to alcohol use disorders, which are mild, moderate, and severe. Um, and those are generally based on how many of these bullet points are you hitting. Um, the main staple of it, though, is is it impairing your life functionally, socially, um, occupationally. Um, there's so many ways, financially, there's so many ways that it can affect you and that there is a very easy way to find this list online. You can just type in alcohol use disorder DSM-5 criteria and it will pull all of them up for you. Um, they are straight to the heart of how is this negatively impacting your life and how can it be identified through these behaviors that you're doing that are no longer volitional. You know, it has no to be what? Vol volitional, <laughs> that, that you're no longer intending the outcome of your behavior. So you start a behavior, but it, you know, it gets out of hand very quickly that, that no longer am I intentionally just picking up a beer to have a drink, to have the, you know, uh, the, the memory of this, well, uh, beer sounds like this is part of his pastime. I'd love to know more about that, but there is something, some emotional connection that he has. Now, when it becomes no longer your intention to pursue that thing, and it is actually the alcohol or something else that's driving, uh, you know, exogenously or, or externally. 
Ex what? Uh, externally. <laughs> what, what is up with the big words? Yeah. Oh, exogenously. Yeah. That means outside of your control, like 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 from an outside perspective. So so some people find stress, you know, and they're dealing with all this stress, and so that's an ex exogenous or an external factor that's driving you to a behavior. Uh huh. Yeah. And he mentioned COVID as being one. Mm hmm. Right. So. Sorry, I'm just going to give a more straight up answer. Dude, it's already out of problem. You're drinking six days a week with binging. That's that's a problem. Right. Yeah. And you're already hinting at it's beyond your control. Like, I think we're scratching the surface with what you're saying. I think this is sort of like the iceberg thing where you've given us a glimpse of some of it, but it does go much deeper. And I would say we're already at the point where it's a problem. Um, that's what it sounds like. I mean. To, to ask that question, you could yeah, hear the Yeah, but I didn't use the word exogenous <laughs> and volitionary or whatever the word is. Um, I, I, think, I think you're already there. Um, and I would say if you're ready to make a change, then it would be time to start looking into what it would take to do that and how you want to go about doing it. Um, if we were having a two-way conversation right now, I would tell you, tell me if I'm reading too much into this, but I can almost hear it in your voice that you feel that it is beyond your control at this point. Mm -hmm. um, and if it is, that's the case, then I would say we really need to, and you want to make the change, then we need to pull back. It may be beyond your control and you're kind of like, fuck it, I don't care. Then there's really nothing we can do at that point when you say it's enough want to make the change and then it's time to take action yeah yeah and often these things aren't done independently of support right it is very hard to just say oh i recognize it's too much and therefore i'm going to stop because like i was saying there's other things driving this obviously you could hear it yeah i mean i often refer to addiction in any of its form whether it's to alcohol or porn or doom scrolling or any of it as what i would call a firefighter response yeah. which means i'm going to put out the fire of whatever this emotion is that i will feel if i don't do this and just like a firefighter, they don't care that there's going to be water damage and soot damage and everything else that's still gonna render the home dysfunctional. My goal is to put this fire out. Well, the firefighter response, in this case, using alcohol, doesn't care about tomorrow, it doesn't care about the long-term effect, it doesn't care about cirrhosis of the liver, it doesn't care about, it wants to drown that emotion right now. I tell my clients, don't give a shit about tomorrow. It just wants to handle today. Mm -hmm. And I get the sense that that's what's going on for you. If the threshold is, well, if I get cirrhosis of the liver, I know I've gone too far. Yeah, no shit. Like, yeah. you've gone way too well, far. Well, even then, and, and it's, I've watched people die. Right. They, they can't stop. It, it's even then. too late mm -hmm. at that point. So the firefighter response in you, we need to take a step back and say, what is the emotion we're looking to drown out, cancel out? Mm -hmm. through alcohol a lot of people think i think we mentioned this before that a lot of people think it's depression that drives alcoholism i've in my own practice i've noticed much more anxiety anxiety yes. drives alcoholism anxiety drives everything yeah touche yeah like I it drives depression it drives yeah. anxiety drives everything yeah and this this idea that you know i can just take the edge off 
with a beer or alcohol works through the GABAergic pathway GABA which is you know but that is a really specific pathway that is that works through this well the central nervous system depends on it so when you drink alcohol it slows all that down and that's that's why you feel better on it and that's also why you can't really walk after you've had too much because it also affects the peripheral nervous system similarly I wanted to read just a couple quick hits of this alcohol use disorder because I think it is poignant. Alcohol is, this is the criteria for alcohol use disorder that we use. Alcohol is often taken in larger amounts or over long periods of time than one was intended. Uh, there is a persistent desire or unsuccessful efforts to cut down or control your use. A great deal of time is spent in activities necessary to obtain the alcohol, to use the alcohol, or to recover from its effects. Uh, craving or a strong desire to use it, uh, recurrent alcohol use resulting in failure to fulfill major life obligations, work, school, you know, finances, all those things. Um, continued alcohol use despite persistent or recurrent social or interpersonal problems caused by or exacerbated by alcohol. This is fighting with your spouse, fighting, you know, uh, not engaged with your kids, uh, you know, kicking the dog. The world's coming undone. Yes, yeah. And then uh, I think the most, well, another one that should hit here is uh, important social or occupational uh, or recreational activities are given up or reduced because of alcohol use. So you're no longer doing the things that you used to want to do and you're replacing them with this alcohol. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, obviously, one of the, one of the worst ones is, uh, you know, you're using alcohol when it becomes physically hazardous. So we're talking driving, uh, you know, doing, doing dangerous things, operating heavy machinery or, or doing things that really can uh, affect your life or take lives. Mm -hmm. um, and like we said, drinking it can be deadly. Uh, like you said, cirrhosis of the liver. I've seen people, you know, die from it. Mm -hmm. uh, and certainly it is a very powerful, powerful substance mm -hmm. and ubiquitous mm -hmm. in current society. It's everywhere. Well, please seek help. If you really, if you need help, yeah. please seek out. I will say that AA is probably the most proven source of, uh, of alcohol uh, reduction and sobriety. Um, it is, I believe, uh, religiously based, but it no longer identifies as such, and you can choose your own higher power. There's a really powerful, uh, the serenity prayer, if anyone wants to look up the serenity prayer. That's one that I often think about, even in my own life. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. give me the knowledge to, what was it, accept the things I cannot change and the wisdom to know the difference. You know, change the things I can, recognize the things I can't change. And, and the uh, knowledge to know the difference. Yeah, I, mess. I, I goofed it all up. Way to go. Yeah, gosh darn it. But uh, but yes, I, I think that was a really good question. Thanks so much for writing in. Please please follow mm -hmm. up if you have further questions. He didn't write. Really? He spoke. spoke that was awesome. So thank you, truly. Yeah. That, that was wonderful. Please do so more often and, and reach out to us. Yeah. yeah. All right, Jesse. Next. Go Dear ahead. Sigmund, what are your thoughts on the microbiome and mental health? Well, my thoughts are rather limited. I don't know much about it. But what I do know is that the whole um, colon cleanser in order to think better thing is not, no, that's not legit. That's not, that's not what we're talking about here. And I think we've already proven that there is a gut-brain connection, mm -hmm, but I think mm -hmm. that we haven't gotten deeper into it in terms of like what specific bacterium in your gut affects what specific 
trigger for mental health disorders. I don't think we've narrowed it down that specific. Um, and that's the edge of my knowledge. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, we hit not it a- quickly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there is not a lot of real evidence out there. I will say that uh, there are definitely studies looking into this. Mm-hmm. There's definitely high suspicions that there are. Uh, you know, different alterations in your body working as one, right? So we know that anything that stresses the body increases cortisol, and we know that cortisol causes mental health distress. So truly, there probably is a connection because your body has reactionary processes that uh, respond very quickly to alterations in balance. So homeostasis, this term that says, our body is very finely balanced machine, and anything that disrupts that is gonna send out all these signals saying something is wrong. And those signals result quickly in different, uh, I would say emotional responses, right? Oftentimes, again, not to be you know this dead horse, but anxiety. Anxiety is one of the most uh, prevalent things that you see from, from homeostatic changes. Um, whether there is like a certain gut bacteria, and if you have this one bacterial imbalance, and if you only ate more papaya rind, then that will get rid of that bacteria, and then it'll cure your Alzheimer's. That's not a real thing. It also doesn't cure Crohn's. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You have a, yeah, a yeah. family member with yeah. Crohn's. There, yeah. There's a lot of, I think, uh, desire for this out there because it's a very simple natural solution to what is probably one of the most scariest uh, one of the scariest things um in all of i want to say humanity which is losing one's own mind or the perception that you'd be out of control of your own mind um that is terrifying so you're saying we haven't linked this specific bacterium equals this specific um disorder mental health disorder like we don't really know Right. If you do this, then that we're not we don't have a linear cause effect relationship mapped out. Right. Not yet. Okay. And, and it would be really interesting to eventually get there. Um, but my, all, uh, sorry. No, I was going to say my suspicion is that people really want this, and so there'll be a lot of research put into it. I know that there's going to be a lot of people that say, "Well, there's no money in it," in like papaya rind. I, I really want calorie-free chocolate. Can we okay. put some resources on that? <laughs> right, right. And, and so people say, like, "Well, you know, these giant pharmaceutical companies aren't going to invest in; it. they're going to squash that research." But really, you know, there's a lot of of uh, history behind trying to find plant-based solutions to a lot of things. I mean, that's mm-hmm. how pretty much humanity survived through the millennia um so uh, but right now we don't have like a microbe that's associated with wellness correct we don't have like if you eat this then there will be wellness and you will stave off depression we don't have that direct relationship correct at this point yeah yeah okay and there's no such thing as like a psychobiotic where like if i take this (laughs) supplement yeah you know like st john's wort for depression like there's no such thing well st john's wort for depression that is actually a real thing that <laughs> yeah, is probably that is, one sorry. of the only but uh, it doesn't work actually you know what so if you are on an ssri the zoloft prozac you know selexa lexpro any one of those uh, i always recommend do not take st john's wort on this because what can happen is uh those things aren't really regulated in terms of how many milligrams you're getting what the steady state concentration in your bloodstream is and you can get serotonin syndrome because it does increase serotonin and st john's wort is one of the you know one of the main ones that we know can change uh serotonergic well i, I want to say receptor activity 
and how, how they're being stimulated. So are you telling me it does work? Yeah, St. John's work can work. Damn. I know, and that new. is honestly all the all the things you could grab into that bag. No, that was total BS. Work. The one actually. What about that is like one. red rice, whatever that supplement that people take? Like basically, there's no psychobiotic that you can take. Like if I eat, like you said, papaya rind, then yeah. there's no way I'm going to have anxiety. There's nothing right. that no. we know about that at no. this point. Yeah, and, and uh, I will say that there is really interesting. So when you start an SSRI, one of the very first things your doctor should inform you of is some people get some GI distress. And the it shits. can be, yeah, diarrhea, mm-hmm. could be constipation, it could be just upset tummy. But that is because you have uh, one of the largest amount of serotonin receptors is in the gut. So the serotonin receptors actually get tickled as this drug crosses the membrane through your gut mm-hmm. and then eventually goes in your bloodstream and then crosses the blood-brain barrier where it's supposed to do its work. But along that route, these receptors in your gut receive that signal and respond to it. Um, and so that's why people get a little bit of GI upset. <laughs> yeah. So that's why I fart? When yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you take your Zoloft. <laughs> but that is one of those things that, like, it, we do know that there are serotonergic receptors in the gut. And one of the things that are probably going to drive some of this a little bit more, because if there is a total lack of homeostasis or a complete bacterial, uh, I want to say, imbalance in your gut, you can get all sorts of wild things that happen in your gut, right? I mean, toxic megacolon. You can get Clostridium difficile. You can get these really wild things. Cool that it with in your the gut. big words. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Crohn's disease you have. I mean, mm-hmm. that disrupts like all of these, you mm-hmm. know, the bacterial and the homeostasis mm-hmm. balance because you need tons of bacteria in your gut. This is the only way where any of us are alive right now. So you advocating licking floors and windows? Well, actually, there is such a thing as a fecal transplant. Have you heard of I this? know, and yeah. that is the latest in Crohn's treatment. I was just oh, reading yes, about it. Oh, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, so people with Clostridium difficile, too. Uh, yeah, they actually take a swab of somebody else's healthy poop and put it in your rectum. So After freeze-drying like it. Transplant. That's more than yes. just an open mind. Right. That sounds like an open something else. <laughs> Some open orifice. It's all open. <laughs> all right. That's good. All right, I think we've kind of... yeah. Yeah. exhausted the and, and as research comes out you know I am open to those things I love learning more oh, I think there's more there I think we Definitely. haven't found it Definitely. yet I wish I had or... a better answer yeah. if there was yes we hit there my is edge an answer here it is really that would be quick. awesome yes. we hit my edge really quick yeah <laughs> alright All right. Jesse is that dear... the end of this episode or we got another one we got no another question? this is the last question of this episode oh great alright yeah dear Sigmund when you already feel so tired from everything how do I keep a boundary without caving in When my girlfriend really wants something from me, she just pushes and pushes. Right now, she's really pushing something that I've told her over and over that I will not do. She brings it up over and over. I'm starting to think that it's just easier to give in, but a bigger part of me knows that would be disastrous, and I really don't want to. Mm. Uh, Before you said the disastrous part, I was going to say, ah, just give in. (laughs) But it sounds like it's pretty serious. Did your mind go to... To the gutter? Oh, Oh, me too. Yes. Why did I think I'm saying, like, don't pull out. Just (laughs) give it to her. Why did I think that this was... (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, I went right to the gutter on that one. It'll take me a moment to come back from that. Um, I, I think that this is going to be a question for the ages, and I think every person will address this differently. It probably depends on how boundaries were kept with you, how often you've practiced keeping boundaries, you know, what your childhood was like. So each person is going to have a different strategy as to how to keep boundaries. It is the healthiest 
It is it is the pinnacle of relationship health if you can keep boundaries. Uh, but that is why it's so hard to achieve because, you know, you as an individual in a relationship have to maintain your individuality. Uh, and that's where these, quote, boundaries come in, right? And why it's also so hard to do. People quickly become enmeshed and interdependent on one another. Um, do you uh, want me to tell you how to keep I would that say, boundary? actually, this is a question for you. I don't know why I even tried to answer this. this is for I'll you. tell you how to keep the boundary. Bring it. No. Just say no. Well, I it's mean. It's a dare approach of you. It's quite bold, especially <laughs> in where my mind took it. Um, if you're already feeling so tired and they keep pushing, I would bring the focus of the attention on that, of why do you keep trying to violate my boundary? If you've clearly stated it before, then you need to take the attention away from the issue of what the thing is they're pushing on and ask, why are you pushing? Why, do, why are you so insistent on violating what I've already made clear? Because I really want it. But that's violating me. You're not allowing space for me to be in this relationship. Yeah, but what about me? Can't you respect me? I am respecting you. I've told you no from the outset. I hate Why you. Why can't you spit me? Okay, well, pack your shit and get out. <laughs> well, I... Right? Yeah. So, so yeah, yeah. right. So anytime somebody has a boundary imposed on them, they're going to fight it. Because nobody wants to have a boundary put on them. Just like the kid that comes home from school... And if you've been in therapy with me, you've heard this example. You come home from school and you are used to raiding that pantry and eating the whole sleeve of Oreos until one day mom's like, no, eat the apple. You know, throw yourself to the floor, wail, kick, scream, you know, try to pull the door off the hinges, everything that you can. Then you resort to like name calling. You're the worst parent ever. I hate you. And then we go to triangulation, which is wait until I tell so-and-so they'll see how mean you are there's all these different ways we try to manipulate to get people to change their boundary that doesn't mean your boundary is wrong it just simply means that they don't like it yeah and it's your job to still hold the boundary even in those moments the hardest part may not be in stating the boundary it may be in holding it when it's challenged is it worth it in the end because it sounds like this is going to be a fight either way. Because if he gives in, he's doing something, quote, disastrous, which sounds awful. Uh, and it sounds like this is also... Can he live with himself? Impairing his... Yeah. Well, it's, it's impairing, the obviously, the relationship. If there's somebody that she really wants, and he doesn't. Maybe it's not the right relationship. I mean, you have to come up with that hard truth, is either we find a way to see our way through this, that this is my boundary and I cannot compromise it. And you ultimately have no choice other than to live with it and respect my boundary. How you do that is up to you, mm -hmm. but I cannot compromise on this. And what's often fair, and it's so hard to do, if you violate my boundary, then this will happen. Oh. If you violate my boundary, then I have to leave the relationship or I have to do X, Y, and Z. And then you have to follow through. That's the hard part, I bet. That is yeah. the hardest part. Because what's going to happen is if you allow that person to violate your boundary, then we get into resentment territory. Because whether you acknowledge that boundary or enforce that boundary, it exists. Mm -hmm. And it's going to keep coming back. Right? So own it up front. Be transparent about it. And then hold it. The only time you should really flex with it is if you want to. Mm. If you're pressured into it, nope. It has to genuinely emanate from you of like, yeah, you know what? 
this situation calls for, I can, there's some wiggle room here. I can do mm-hmm. whatever. I pick my battles often. Well. I choose, you know, what, which we all do. I gonna, right, right. Right, we all do. But this clearly sounds like, I mean, the person used the word disastrous. And it sounds like they've really reflected on this. Yes. That this person knows that for them, they have to hold this boundary. And this sounds like they're getting weary of always being challenged. Yeah. And so then we have to say. So you're setting up a consequence to the to the challenging. Right. And you're like, oh, well, isn't that infantilizing everything? No, it's just being clear. If you keep pushing on this on me, we we got to reevaluate the whole relationship. Like, I can't give in on this. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, I, I think it's time to have that hard conversation about, I was clear about this, and you keep pushing me. And it's you you are pushing me and it's becoming an issue in our relationship. It's becoming an entity within our relationship. Mm. This dynamic of you pushing me and this boundary. Wow. It's very healthy. That's a good approach. It's, it can't be easy. That's not gonna be an easy No, it's super flipping hard. And that's yeah. why we suck at it. That's why we're always like, oh, okay. Cause the path of least resistance is usually rolling over. Yes. Right, because people tend to be afraid to take up space they're afraid to declare their worth mm-hmm. they get gaslit into thinking that whatever their boundary is is not okay so they second guess it to death and then they end up not having it um that's and, all me by the way that was all me that's just totally me too yeah. it's totally <laughs> all me totally but then what happens is, is yeah. resentment then this yeah. resentment thing starts later and we're just angry and pissed and we can't figure out why and i always say that resentment and anger is like water it seeps into everything and you can't control necessarily where it goes Uh, so be on the lookout for resentment if resentment is there that means a boundary was crossed and you need to step back and say okay where was the boundary when was it crossed and was i complicit in the crossing of that boundary this person sounds really healthy already i gotta be honest you know, they've set this boundary, they said no, 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 and now it's becoming so draining that they are tired of fighting that fight, and now they're looking for help in, you know, reinforcements. Yeah, so I say in. hold the boundary. Like you that. know yourself. Yeah. You absolutely know yourself. It may cost you the relationship. What's it worth, huh? Yeah, was it the right relationship for you if this person knows how important this is to you and yet they always want to cross the line? Mm-hmm. Right, that's where the respect. Because that won't be the last time. Oh yeah. Right. I mean, that's for sure. I get my way once. I'm. That's like a green light for me, just to like keep going. Just steamroll I you know, all day. Exactly. <laughs> like, oh, you agreed to that. Well, what about this? <laughs> yes. Um. <laughs> good. Very good. Well, this is. This, these were some great questions. Yeah. I these hope are that awesome the listeners, questions. yeah, got yeah. some answers they were looking for. Yeah. And we didn't just circle the drain of. Ad infinitum. <laughs> well, thank you for and please keep the questions coming. Yeah, and um, if you have a question, you can record it at dearsigmund.com. We really do prefer the audio recording because we want to hear your voice because a lot can be inferred, not mm-hmm. just from the words, but the way you say your words. And it's more interesting to listen to somebody other than just JP and I. So, yep. Until next time. Thanks for listening. <laughs>